the latest installment of our Aberdeen Closed End Fund podcast series, where, along with our portfolio managers, we review what's happening in a particular fund and its underlying markets. I'm Mike Taggart of Aberdeen. Today, we are focusing on the global high-yield fixed income market with Adam Tabor, Portfolio Manager on the Aberdeen Income Credit Strategies Fund, ticker ACP. Hello, Adam. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Hi, Mike. Um, so if you would, let's begin with your current view on the state of the global high-yield credit markets. Yeah, well, uh, we've been quite cautious all year. You know, we've seen a very fast hiking cycle from the Fed and other central banks, uh, which is kind of close to being over now, maybe one or two more hikes to go. But um, the U.S. economy has been much more resilient than, than we expected. Uh, inflation's falling. Employment has remained robust. And, and the possibility that we might get this nice soft landing has increased. Uh, we kind of still are on the side of caution. Um, we still worry about the lagged effect of the rate hikes. Um, and the Aberdeen House view is that there will, at some point, be a mild recession in the US. So, so we think growth could disappoint. Um, and we think that there is scope for, for spread widening in high yield. Now, the global high yield spread. So the spread over treasuries is, is about 470, 480 basis points today, which is more or less the average of where it's traded over the last 10 years. Um, and that spread has moved wider in the last few weeks. So it troughed at 425 in mid September. So. 60 basis points of widening since then. Um, and we think there could be more widening to come um, on a bit of a weakening growth outlook. Despite that, given the fact that Treasury yields have risen so sharply, that spread of 480 translates into a much higher yield today. So, so the yield to worst of the global high yield index is running at over 9% now versus a 10 year average of 6.3. So at the same time, we're mindful that we have to balance our outlook with that high absolute yield on offer today. Um, and, and even though we feel that um, compensation for default risk is, is quite attractive at these levels, we still think that, um, that a cautious approach is the right one in the near term. Um, and we want to have room to add risk uh, if, if spreads do widen. OK, thank you. And, you know, you just mentioned it. So a key component to high yield investing is risk management. How does your team assess risk in modifying the portfolio and in the current market? Yeah, well, there are two main ways we can manage risk in the fund. Uh, firstly, we can decide how much credit risk we want to take uh, in terms of our positioning. Uh, and the second is how much leverage we want to add to the fund. Um, and, and given the cautious outlook that I've just described, we've, we've taken both of those down over the last year or so. Um, in terms of credit risk, uh, the easiest way to demonstrate that is through the rating profile of the fund. Um, and we have reduced our triple C exposure, uh, which is the kind of lowest quality, highest risk part of the credit spectrum. Uh, and we've taken that down to just over 20% uh, of the fund today, when it has been as high as you know 40% plus a couple of years ago. And we have around half of the fund in single B rated bonds today. Uh, and, and that is where we feel that you find the best balance between generating the yield that we need uh, without taking too much default risk. Um, and then with regards to the, the fund leverage, we have reduced uh, the drawing on our credit facility by around a third this year. Um, and that's partly because as interest rates have risen, the cost of that leverage has increased, but also because we think um, spreads will widen and um, we want to retain the ability to relever the fund uh, when we think that valuations are more attractive. Okay, excellent. And it's as if it's not enough to, you know, manage a portfolio uh, in these exceptionally tumultuous times, right? 
um, back in March, the former Delaware High Income Opportunities Fund was merged into ACP. Um, would you share an update on the integration of that portfolio and how you've done it, how you've integrated that portfolio kind of given the, the market conditions? Yeah, so so the merger with IVH, uh, you know, IVH is the ticker uh, that uh, the Delaware High Income Fund was listed under. Like you said, closed in March this year. So so we've been managing the combined assets for, for just over six months. And, you know, just to remind listeners, it was roughly the same size as ACP. So it doubled the size of the fund to around $500 million. And there has naturally been, you know, a period of integration and some switching of holdings from what they owned to what we would like to own in the fund. Um, but that's mostly complete now, you know, one or two things that, um, you know, that we are still working on. And we continue to manage ACP in the same way. So so no change in our approach. Um and the distribution that uh, ACP shareholders receive has stayed the same. So, so no change uh, to the yield that uh, investors receive on their shares. Okay, excellent. And then, you know, another key element to high yield investing is sector exposure. Uh, would you provide us with an update on any particularly vulnerable or resilient sectors in the high yield space year to date? Yeah, we think, uh, we think telecoms lends itself quite well to the high yield market. You know, when you when you take out a new broadband or or mobile phone plan, you normally lock yourself in for, for up to two years. So, so these are businesses with long term contracts, uh, predictable revenues uh, and cash flow streams, um, and importantly, pricing power. Um, you know, a good broadband connection is essential, especially with more people working from home now. So, one thing we are mindful of is that um, is that that sector is going through a big investment cycle at the moment. Um, so lots of capital being deployed to build out fiber and 5G networks. So we are careful in identifying which operators are best able to cope with that um, funding requirement. But once these networks are built, uh, you know, the winners should start seeing significant cash flow generation. And then on the other side, you know, one of the sectors that we've cut back on, again, particularly in Europe, has been consumer financials. So so this is lenders mortgage providers and, and debt collectors, which um, which is quite a big industry in Europe, uh, as a lot of that function was was carved out of banks um, that aren't allowed to hold non-performing loans on their balance sheets anymore. Um, and many of these debt collection businesses are set up with a lot of leverage and high yield debt that was issued when rates were a lot lower. So so we see that as a prime example of a sector that that might find it tough going, um, you know, as and when they do have to refinance. And, um, and and many of those businesses do have debt coming due in the next two to three years. So, so yeah, a sector that we've cut back on quite materially over the last 12 to 18 months. And, you know, from your perspective, Adam, does the closed-end fund structure actively managing a portfolio of high-yield bonds within a closed-end fund, does that offer you any benefits as a portfolio manager in these volatile times? Yeah, um, I mean, we've said this before, but the main benefit is not having to manage flows. So, so inflows or outflows, you know, to or from the fund. Um, and in an open-ended fund, they can often come at the worst time, uh, when the market has been selling off and, and the market's at its cheapest. So, so yes, having closed-ended capital means that, um, you know, we can try and steer the fund to, to take advantages, take advantage of opportunities when we think the market is cheap. Um, and, you know, what we're doing at the moment is a, is a good example of that. Okay, and finally, Adam, what would you say to investors who have allocated capital or are considering allocating capital to global high yield in today's market? Yeah, well, well, like I said earlier, you know, we do think that 
absolute yields of 9% do look quite attractive at an index level. Um, and one of the things that we spend a lot of time thinking about is, is future default risk. Um, and we're in an environment now where there is a lot of concern over future default risk. Um, there's a significant amount of high yield debt maturing in the next two to three years that companies will have to refinance at much higher coupons. Um, and, and some of them may not be able to afford that. We're relatively sanguine on the default outlook. Moody's, for example, the rating agency, they have uh, the 12-month trailing default rate running at 4.3% uh, at the end of August. And they forecast that it will peak to 4.7% uh, in, in Q1 next year before tailing off. So, so default risk should be quite contained. Um, and at 9%, a lot of that is already priced in. Um, and you are quite well compensated for that default risk today. So, you know, and in addition to that, clearly it's part of our job to try and identify where the default risks are and avoid them. So, so yeah, despite the kind of near-term cautious outlook that we have, we do think that, that defaults should remain contained and uh, we do think that yields are attractive um, on a longer-term view. All right. Thank you, Adam, for providing us with that update on ACP, the Aberdeen Income Credit Strategies Fund. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. There are three convenient ways to learn more about ACP. On the Internet, you can visit abrdnacp.com. You can email us at investor.relations at abrdn.com or give us a call at 1-800-522-5465. I'm Mike Taggart of Aberdeen. Thank you for listening. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns, return projections or estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.